The psychedelic revolution is here. If you want to integrate your visionary experiences into your purpose, get clear on your entrepreneurial path and help people while you do what you love, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to The Psychedelic Entrepreneur, medicine for these times. I'm your host, Beth Weinstein. I'm a spiritual business coach, three-time entrepreneur, and a lifelong student of psychedelics and sacred plant medicines. You carry your own unique medicine, and your medicine is what we need for these times. This podcast will help you to share your medicine so you can create transformation in the world. Listen in on conversations with psychedelic leaders, changemakers, and conscious entrepreneurs who are living proof that a better world is possible when you follow your heart and live in alignment with your soul. Hey there, welcome back to Medicine for These Times. I'm Beth Weinstein, and so good to be back to work here. So I am coming to you doing this episode after returning from a couple weeks in Peru. And previously before that, I had spent uh, a little over a week, but a week at Psychedelic Science 2023, the MAPS huge psychedelic conference in Denver, Colorado. I would love to know if you were there. And if you were, what'd you think of it? Please reach out to me. I would love to hear your thoughts. So I am returning after integrating these two big, powerful experiences, one being the world's largest psychedelic conference to date, um, running around, meeting a lot of you, meeting a lot of peers in the industry who I've been friends with for years, but I haven't actually met in real life until that week. And the other was a two-week trip to Peru where I spent 10 days on a, a retreat working with sacred ayahuasca medicine. And what I want to go over today and what I wanted to talk about was integrating these big experiences. Um, it's very rare that I spend a podcast episode sharing about my own personal journeys, um, but it feels about right to share about both of these, psychedelic science and Peru. Um, but let me, let me just start with returning from this, this journey in Peru. So for those of you who've followed me for a while, I have been to Peru many, many times, including last year. And then previously I'd been on four different dietas, um, and if you don't know what a dieta is, it is a very intense work with uh, sacred plant medicines and ayahuasca master plants deep in the jungle where you really, at least who I work with, in the tradition, you disconnect and eat very little food and quit using all products and you bathe in a river with no soap, only leaves, no toothpaste, no nothing. You basically detoxify your body and eat the most simple foods only twice a day and sometimes even once a day. But then you diet a master plant, a non-psychoactive plant usually, and well, not always, but for me usually. And then you have five ceremonies where you're working with uh, the master teacher plant, ayahuasca. And these have been extremely life-changing, very profound experiences. I also work with someone else where it's a, a female Corindero in Peru who offers not dietas, but more just, she calls them retreats, but they're kind of the same thing. They're 10 days, five ceremonies, 
um, you know, you're not as isolated. There's a tiny bit more activities. And when I say activities, it's like, you know, someone just teaches yoga and um, you can go on a walk, <laughs> unlike a dieta where you're really just like isolated by yourself. But, you know, you're in Peru, you're kind of in the almost the middle of nowhere. And when I say middle of nowhere, I mean, you know, there's not internet there. There's, um, you know, like you're kind of in service. There's civilization nearby, but it's it's still far away from this, from this world that we know. And the focus is for me really just to hit the reset button, to take a step back, pull the plug, go offline. I tell all my clients, look, like you're not going to hear from me for 10 days and you're going to be fine. It's okay. And really just to hit this like mental reset button and dive in deep at the plants, set some intentions and see what comes through. So what's interesting for those of you who are on my email list and get my email newsletter, you had read about this where I actually got sick at Psychedelic Science in Denver before I went to Peru. And it was this kind of weird, what I like to call mystery illness, um, because I thought it was food poisoning, you know, to this day, who knows what it really was. But I ended up with a spider bite on my left butt cheek. I thought it was a mosquito bite. I didn't think anything of it. Then I got really sick. And then when I put two and two together a few days later, as I was still sick, I thought to myself, wow, maybe this is from the spider bite. Um, I live in the Northeast where there's a lot of ticks. So my initial reaction was like, wow, I need to get tested for Lyme. I only have eight days before I leave for Peru. So I was put through the ringer before I left for Peru. And also during psychedelic science. And, you know, for someone who's been on this path for over 30 years, I've kind of gotten to the point where when things like this happen, you know, I start to wonder, like, what what is happening? Like, what's really at play here? And, of course, you know, there's some arguments that maybe there's not a meaning to everything. Maybe there's not a spiritual meaning or maybe not everything is a mirror and maybe you just randomly get sick at a pinnacle, you know, psychedelic conference in the middle of the solstice during this like really um, incredible time in your life. I don't know. Um, the one thing during psychedelic science that was really interesting for me personally was that I had a lot of full circles in my life come to a completion. So I have been on this path for over 30 years. It's been a big part of my path. You know, I've been on a very deep spiritual inquiry and journey. Um, for most people that have known me a really long time, it's kind of just who I've always been. And when I got to psychedelic science, I had just all these experiences of coming to a full circle, meaning like there was a start maybe 10 years ago and now it's like completed or running into a friend I haven't seen in six, seven years or whatever it's been that was instrumental in um, one of my medicines that I now work with. Or, um, you know, having an interaction with someone about something in particular that reminded me of something from 25 years ago. Anyway, so it was really a significant week. For those of us who went, I would say it was met with a lot of mixed feelings. You know, it was this amazing, beautiful event, meaning they put a lot of energy and effort and definitely a lot of money into creating a really um, incredible, you know, conference 
that I'm assuming will never be the same. I'm assuming, um, you know, I don't know if it will always be that big or maybe it'll divide into smaller conferences. I'm not sure it'll ever be the same as it was. Who knows? You know, Dr. Bronner's put in this amazing space. It was kind of like being a Burning Man. It really felt like festival-y. I was part of this amazing psychedelic leadership summit, which took place before psychedelic science. Shout out to the organizers of that, Marisa Sturtz, um, Del Bigtree, and mm, I think I'm forgetting two other people. Sorry. Um, oh, Mike Margolis, I think, was a part of it. Anyways, it was a really great group of people. It was about 50 or 60 of us doing our own like mini summit before the conference. And, you know, I really enjoy getting to know people in real life, having discussions about what's happening in the world and the industry, and really just kind of feeling into what I'm seeing at this conference. You know, there were definitely some mixed feelings. Um, For those of you who personally know me, I had said this for months and months and months that I was really nervous about going there because I didn't want to be upset by it or get depressed or feel um, discouraged about the the future of the psychedelic industry. And I am now officially calling it industry a lot because there is a reality that we need to accept and not bypass that psychedelics is now an industry. (laughs) Yes, it is a space and an ecosystem, but, you know, I think if we don't name what's happening, meaning there are venture, venture capitalists, there are corporations, there are scientists trying to patent things or are patenting things. There's a lot of money being poured into this this industry. There's publicly traded companies. You know, it's an industry. So, and I shout out to Dennis Walker of Micropreneur Podcast, who was the one that actually said that during our podcast interview. And I, I believe he's right. So there was, there was something there about seeing this, this, um, the polarities of, you know, some indigenous leaders walking around the conference or maybe just indigenous peoples. I don't, you know, I don't know if they're leaders or not. I'm assuming they are, who knows? And then, you know, there's therapists who don't know a thing about psychedelics asking a lot of questions. And then there's, uh, corporations looking for opportunities. And then there's like the 23 year old that just wants to get into psychedelics and, doesn't really know, but is taking acid in the middle of the conference, which, by the way, I have witnessed. By the way, I don't think everybody was on drugs, but there were definitely people like treating it like, hey, this is a psychedelic conference. Let's take psychedelics. Um, There was also this aspect of it that it was a trade show. I said to my friend weeks before it happened, I said, well, you know, this is partially a trade show, too. There were vendor exhibits. I almost bought a table for an exhibit. I was debating on it. I decided not to. But, you know, it was like three a $3,000 around-ish. $3,000 for the table if I wanted to set up a table there. And then I would have had to invest a lot more time, energy, and money into um, getting signs and collateral and things, giveaway, whatever it is, and then sit there or hire someone I decided I'd rather actually just walk around and hang out with people and meet people and maybe go to some talks. But the reality is that is how a trade show is set up. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not here to judge whether any of this is good or bad. But I am integrating um, this kind of like weird world that we're in and trying to really be attuned to how I get it right. And that is all that any of us can control. And this is tying into my trip to Peru and working with lots of sacred medicine. 
So I have come to realize over being alive on the planet Earth for over 40 something years that, you know, there's only so much that we have control over. And really, I, I don't believe it's our job to just bash everybody and put people down and cancel them or cause riots. But, you know, it is our job to speak our truth and, and share our voice and our light in the world. And if my light and my voice and my truth stands for unity consciousness, for coming together, for the greater vision of the psychedelic space that I see, which is um, more of like a, a global vision into, okay, there's a need for people who, there's a demand for healing of sorts, whatever that means to you, it doesn't really matter, but there's a demand for people who are seeking and we just have to accept that this is real um, and not to bypass the fact that, you know, there's mental health crisis. There are people suffering. There's a lot of depression. There's people turning to antidepressants, anti-anxiety, you know, mood stabilizer, whatever drugs people are taking, numbing themselves, numbing themselves with the alcohol, numbing themselves with, you know, other substances, sugars, um, you know, watching TV, watching Netflix the internet, numbing themselves with TikTok. It's like everything is a drug. And, you know, whether people want to believe like, well, ayahuasca should not be served to anybody unless they're working with indigenous peoples down in their country. And even then it should only be for their people. You know, I have a voice on this planet that stands for something greater than hoarding and greater than um, scarcity consciousness, which is more of the abundance consciousness of, what is happening on the, the greater picture here? Yes, I do believe we need to have sacred reciprocity built into every single business model in the psychedelic space. And to be honest, to me in the entire capitalistic system, I believe there should be some form of reciprocity built in. You know, it's like it's I used to have a, a different business where I use the hashtag conscious capitalism a lot where it's like, OK, capitalism is still here. It's not failing overnight maybe it is but you know it's still here it's still part of our world and how can we at least try to do it better or try to get some things in check you know while hopefully we're trying to fix the entire system but you know it's so part of our world right now it's like okay well maybe there's a, a way for there to be more companies like Patagonia or the Dr. Bronner's of the world to do better you know it's like yeah they're still making millions and maybe pillaging the earth and you know um creating environmental waste with you know clothes that we really don't need or plastics plastic bottles or whatever it is but every day they're trying to do better and compared to maybe some other companies that are not trying to do better at all ever maybe we should like celebrate the ones that are trying to do better to set a standard for business so in the psychedelic space, it's the same thing. It's like there's a lot of, um, shall I say, like controversy and um, kind of uproar about all the people that are doing things wrong. But I tend to be the kind of person that's really focusing on, okay, we hear a lot about what's going wrong. Like the one person that has, um, you know, a transgression or the one girl who charges too much money that no one likes or... The one person who, um, I don't know, just got something wrong and then got canceled. It's like, well, what about the 98% that is actually going really well? Um, 
you know, it's like facilitators. I think facilitators, and, and including me, like I definitely put my, like I make jokes about things that I personally don't agree with, but, you know, I'm also like, who's to say what's right or wrong? You know, it's like I've been making jokes about, I keep getting invited or ads for these retreats that are serving like 12 medicines in one week. I personally would never do that. It's not something that I feel is good for the nervous system. But, you know, if that person wants to do it that way, hey, whatever. But I make jokes about it. But in the end, you know, if there's someone that that's really helping and for some reason it seems to be the thing that so-and-so needs to help finally get them to make some transformation in their life, then who are we to say? And I think what I've witnessed with being in this psychedelic space for the last, whatever it's been, five years, and then honestly, 30-something years of my life, you know, I've really come to realize, like, if I just focus on what I'm here to do, and I'm sharing this so that you can hopefully take this as a source of inspiration for what you're doing in the world, but if you or I are just here to share what's coming through us, focus on on our pillar of light, our voice that's coming through us, and not worry about, you know, having to be constantly bashing other people or canceling or putting others down, but instead, um, yeah, like sharing what you do and don't agree with, I think that's definitely worthwhile, but really to realize that this is the nature of our reality. Like we are, I believe always going to have the polarity of what some might call like the light and the dark or the shadow side of things. You know, it's just part of the human experience. You know, like we might call it the ego, which by the way, is not all bad. Like we need the ego to survive. We need the darkness to see light. You know, it's, it's just part of our nature. And yes, while I believe it's important to share what it is that you might want to see done better and take a stand for something, I keep questioning, like, what if we actually put all that time and energy and effort that's been put into, like, bashing or, you know, yelling at people doing things wrong or whatever, and instead, like, put all that into creating, like, like doing things, like taking action, creating something that shows what you want done right because it's the same thing as like going and just canceling like the one person like I just had a conversation with someone about this today it's like yeah you can say I hate all these corporations and VCs entering in the psychedelic space or you can actually choose never to spend your money with any of them tell everybody you know how you feel about them and then go do something bigger better that is serving the kind of people that you want to be working with that want to work with you. Because I'm one of those people that's like, I'm probably never going to be buying psilocybin mushrooms from any kind of corporation. I pray that I never have to because you know what? I'd rather support the person I know who grows them, who is someone I know and trust, who has a certain kind of energy. And it's like, I know my grower. And this was the conversation I had earlier today to really be aware of where we're putting our time and attention and our energy into. And are we going to put it into getting into these like downward spirals of, um, you know, like some of these meme accounts, like, you know, and I'm friends with some of these people, they're great people, but there's some meme accounts out there that are just like love putting everything down. And I get it. It's great for their business. It's great for the algorithms. 
the algorithm, uh, the social media algorithms love when people are causing controversy. It's just how it works. So, okay, so someone who's an influencer on social media causes controversy because it increases their influence, which increases their business. Of course, they're going to keep making things more controversial. Or, you know, they could actually put that time and energy and attention into creating something that maybe um, is, is helpful in a more positive direction. This is just my opinion. I know a lot of people are not going to agree, and I'm not saying we don't need meme accounts. We totally need meme accounts because they're great. We need to laugh at the state of the world. We need to, like, make fun of ourselves. And for those of you who've been following me a while, you know that, yes, I'm a freaking amazing coach, and I'm great at what I do, and... I like to have fun and I also believe in not taking everything so damn seriously because we only live once and if you're not having fun doing what you do and you're not having fun being of service in the world and you're not enjoying it and laughing at yourself and laughing at the human experience, what's the point? Then we're just going to be like miserable and have sticks up our butt all the time. Who wants that? So anyways, going into not being too serious and having fun When I got to Peru, um, I was still a little bit sick. And I mean, I kind of knew it. I was taking care of myself. I had some herbs and under, you know, healthcare and I had multiple tests done. And I was really watching it and started to feel better. And then in my second ceremony out of five, um, you know, it's like I don't even know how to ever explain these things when they happen. I went into. One of the like hardest, most challenging ayahuasca ceremonies I've ever been in. And, you know, when I always look at those, I say, and it was great. And, you know, when I look at what happened, I have no idea why these things happen to me. And it's interesting because I've had them happen before. It's not new. They don't happen all the time, but it's definitely been happening more and more lately. And it's been interesting because I'm actually quite a happy person. Like even when... I was sick and going through all this. Like, I was still having fun going out, meeting people at Psychedelic Science. I just wasn't eating much, and I was kind of off, you know? And then, you know, even when I got to Peru, I'm still happy and smiling, even though, like, my stomach's a little off, and I'm kind of like, eh, I'm still recovering and tired. But I'm generally a happy person. Even in the biggest challenges of my life, I have learned how to move through them in a, in a way that's like not spiritually bypassing them, but not letting them ruin my life. And to, to also be with the feelings of sadness, of grief, of anger, of rage, all the feelings, be with them fully and feel them fully, but also still have enjoyment. Like to almost, you know, and I was, I've been studying a little this lately is to really understand how you can even feel the ecstaticness of grief, the joy, like the pleasure of grief. And this kind of brings me to these, these notions. So I, anyways, I went into this really kind of crazy dark ceremony that, um, is, it would take probably a 20 minutes of this episode to go into the details, but just to put it in perspective, I have no idea what was coming through me and why. And there, were, there was actually like zero story attached to it. It was not me. It wasn't my ancestors. It wasn't something that it felt like it was like purging. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know if I'll ever know why everything just went into this like crazy, dark, rah, like 
everything looked dark. Every, everything felt dark. It was very hard for me to like breathe, to feel, to feel love, to feel gratitude. And it just felt like I was being like taken down by this utter like dark energy. And I kind of sat there and met it. And here's the thing. I'm aware to know that that's not always truth, to know that there's always the opposite of whatever the dark is. So there I was being like engulfed by this darkness, knowing that there is a song being sung and I know the words to it so I can sing it. So I started singing it because the maestra I work with encourages people to sing along and, you know, you sing kind of quietly. So I'm singing the song. I'm not feeling a thing. I'm feeling like I'm dying. I'm just seeing utter darkness everywhere. I think like the world is ending. I'm ending. Everything's like, you know, chaotic. It just felt very like, you know, it felt like hell on earth. Like there's no other way to put it. And, you know, there's some stories coming through and whatever. And, but I'm just like, okay, I can let these stories take me into a rabbit hole of fear, or I can like witness my stories and witness this darkness and continue to connect to the one tiny little ounce of light that I could feel, which was only the singing. And I would sing, but not even feel anything. So I was singing because I I knew it was my only medicine to help me out of this. So I eventually came out of it. I was eventually able to collect myself and go back into the Maloka. I was actually outside of the Maloka, like processing with two other women where I'm like, you know, one person's crying, the other one's holding my hand. I'm like gripping their head. Like we're all gripping hands because everybody's going through a process. And it definitely felt like everyone was going through a process all at the same time because that's how energy works. And that seems to be how ceremonies work very often. And when I eventually came back, um, you know, my maestra, the next ceremony night had called me, had said something to me while she was serving my medicine and singing a song. She had called me in Spanish. Um, I actually don't know the word in Spanish. I have to go look it up. But it was like, Alchemica de Alma. And I know the word Alma is soul. And I'm like, and I'm kind of listening to her while a little bit under the influence of the medicine. And I'm like, is she calling me a soul alchemist? And then my next thought was, does she know what I do for a living? Because my clients have said this to me for many years that Beth, this is a business coaching program. Wow. This is like a deeply profound spiritual transformation. And that tends to be a lot of the work I do, especially inside my group mastermind, where it is this kind of soul alchemy happening because I know on a deeper level, yes, I'm here to have my clients get success and get clients and make money and be supported by their business. But this process can only be done through a soul process. It's not like we're just marketing and selling something on Amazon, which is always my thing. I say, it's like, look, when you're working with human beings and their hearts and their souls and their feelings, their traumas, their, um, you know, stuff that surfaces, you know, if you're a, a life coach or a psychedelic integration coach or a health and wellness coach or a, you know, men's coach or women's coach or sacred sexuality, you can't brush over the surface here. You're doing soul work, whether you realize it or not. And my role as what I call a spiritual business coach, a soul alchemist, I actually have, um, I got inspired by my friend Marin Azoff, who said soul liberation. She said this years ago, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what I feel like I do. But then my Quinn calls me 
a soul alchemist. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's totally what I do. And I'm like really confused because I don't think she knows anything about my real life. I've met her, you know, once before last year for the same thing, like 10 days. But we don't talk about our work. She's not like out there in the world. I don't even know if she looks at the Internet. You know, it's she's a Peruvian living high in the, the high jungle or the, the, the low jungle of the mountains in Peru. So I found that to be interesting and I kind of took it to heart, like took it to like, oh, I kind of like the sound of that, you know, not to make meaning of it, but just like, hey, I like the ring of that. Then uh, a few days later after our fifth ceremony, which was also extremely intense for me, but a little less dark and a little more, uh, you know, profound as always, you know, they're always profound, but this was like a little more manageable, but still very challenging. Um, you know, I had like these beautiful experiences, had had a lot of lessons culminate, you know, the 10 days, the, the previous weeks of being sick, the previous six months of going through a lot of my own personal, um, purging and letting go and also personal transformation and growth where I've had a lot come in, you know, so it's been this process of like deep letting go and deep clearing and what I would call purification and receiving and allowing like just all this, this newness and this greatness and opportunities and clients and, you know, up levels, like things that just felt like a higher level in my life. Like I always say, it felt like I've jumped timelines a few times in the last eight months and it's been amazing and I'm so grateful for it. And it's, just constantly feels like there's this jump, 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 jump. But I do believe this is a process of the soul and this alchemy of really integrating the soul into this embodied experience here on earth. And I talk about this a lot in my group mastermind program with my clients, that this is the work. This is all we're here to do is like really be here to the point where I have to do this work with a lot of my clients to feel safe to feel like you belong here on earth, you know, that you are supported here on earth. And this is this like soul alchemy work. So one of the lessons that I've taken away from the integration of psychedelic science and of this experience in Peru was this holding of the both the light and the dark to know there's an alchemy happening here. And, um, you know, I've, friends that study this. I follow people that study this. I, I know a little bit or a fair amount about how alchemy works. And it's like, you can't, we can't create from, from just this, this nothingness. There always has to be, um, you know, like a, an energetic force that is going and creating something. It's like when you think about ice and how it's formed or fire and when it burns something, it's not just like poof, there's fire. It's, it's, there's a destruction and a creation at the same time. And it's the same thing with, you know, this, this psychedelic world that we're experienced, like experiencing, like, yes, there's something being birthed and maybe there's some things being destroyed and it's going to be challenging and there's going to be darkness and there's going to be a lot of lessons. And yes, we're going to get a lot of things wrong because this is the human experience. And it's the same thing as entrepreneurship. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be celebrations. There's always going to be the roller coasters. And the more you learn to actually like ride those waves of the ups and downs in the ocean, the better it will be for you. You know, it's like this deep level of emotional regulation to know 
that this is a human experience and we are still safe even with the shadows and the darkness and the scariness and the uncertainty and the Lord knows what's going to happen next. And this is like such a big lesson because of course my clients have been going through the ringer. You know, some other, some people have had other illnesses and sicknesses. Some people have really been struggling with, um, you know, like deep healing and like trauma that's come up. And some people have been going through major transitions like breakups and um, job losses. And I do believe this purification process, whether it's sicknesses or job losses or breakups or just any changes that feel uncomfortable, is part of that that soul alchemy, that soul wanting to come in and really be integrated here into your reality, into your experience of being embodied here on earth. And I believe this is here in our favor, you know, like that it, it happens to us for a reason. You know, for me, maybe it was to like, make sure I was rested for psychedelic science. Maybe I got sick so that I didn't go out each night, which by the way, I didn't go out. I missed a few things because I was like, I'm sleeping instead. Um, maybe that's just like my soul needed to like pound me so that I was just rested and I could be more present during the day. I don't know. Or maybe I got bit on my left butt cheek to help me look at something in my feminine energy. Maybe there's something in the spider medicine that's there for me to look at around like creation and um, weaving webs and, um, you know, what's coming next. I don't know. These are all just things to play with. I do want to share one amazing thing. So my Corindera, after this very hard ceremony on the last day, um, once we all settled in, we had lunch because it was a morning ceremony. I was talking to her, you know, God knows what, and I don't remember what we were even saying, but, you know, I had shared in some integration circles about these, like, really heavy, dark ceremonies, and, like, I have no idea why this is happening, and it's okay. And there's some beautiful heart openings happening here, and I feel like my, I feel lighter. I feel like my light body is lighter. So, hey, I'm trusting that this is happening for some reason. Um, so she had heard me share this in, in a couple integration circles. And on our last day there, after eating, we we're all just kind of going off on our own. My Kurundera gifted me her one of her seed chikapas that she uses in ceremonies. And I want to share this right here. So I don't know why she did it. I have zero... She didn't really say why. I just immediately was like, you know, why? <laughs> but then I knew you, you don't respond to a gift like this from someone you respect that much by saying why. You respond with a honored, like full-hearted gratitude. So what I did was I immediately just said, wow, you know, thank you so much. And my first thought was, huh, I'm not worthy of this. Who am I to get this? You know, why would she give it to me out of all these people? And there's other people in this group that are people that serve medicine or people that, you know, do big things even bigger than me or whatever it is. You know, I don't know. I just thought like, oh, why not give it to one of them? Um, you know, facilitators have been studying under her for 10 or 15 years. And here I am just the person. But, you know. I know I'm a special person, so 
<laughs> and so is everybody, really. But I, I had to go through this like observation of my own unworthiness to receive something so, so beautiful and so important to me. And to watch that, okay, maybe, maybe there's something here. Maybe there is a, a tool that I can use to help my clients with. Or maybe it means nothing at all. And maybe that unworthiness is just a mirror of, you know, my clients going through this or other people in the world who never feel worthy enough to receive something so big, who never feel worthy enough to have a business that supports them, who feel not good enough to um, go step into their psychedelic integration coaching business. You know, I hear this all the time from potential clients, like, who am I to do this? I have imposter syndrome. I'm scared. I'm not good enough. I'm not trained enough. And it's like, well, you are worthy and you are good and you are like a capable human being. If you've been living and you have a lived experience, you are capable of helping people who've lived an experience that you've already lived. And I just wanted to share this part to show, you know, like, hey, even I go through that, that, you know, like process of, wow, someone just gifted me something I don't feel worthy of. I know I'm worthy but it feels really uncomfortable. But you know what? I'm going to share it with reverence, with honor, with a deep gratitude. And to pray with this tool that is helping me alchemize some souls and create positive change here on earth in times of darkness and in times of light, which, by the way, is all the time. So anyways, this was a very interesting episode to record. I hope there were some lessons in here. Um, you know, my main point being that I, I really do believe this path, especially for those of you who are walking the plant medicine path or the psychedelic path of sorts, you know, one of the biggest lessons to me that these medicines can, can show us and teach us is how to hold both in the world. You know, one of my friends who serves medicine who is with me reminded me that, yeah, like there's always going to be stuff that's challenging that comes up in ceremonies, just like the ceremony of life. But your role is to always be able to connect to that one tiny little light, that little golden thread of light, to remember that is the truth, that you inherently are love, that you are inherently good, that you are inherently worthy, and that everyone else is too, that this whole world is inherently positive, that it, we are all is love. And to be in that that unity of, like, what do you stand for in the world? Do you stand for being of division, separation, you know, competition, putting others down, canceling others? Or do you want to stand for the greater good that you want to see in the world, the more beautiful world that we all know is possible, to quote Charles Eisenstein's book? You know, so that's that's like one of the biggest lessons, which, you know, it's not a new lesson, but it's like a deeper layer of a lesson to really be able to hold both, to hold the challenges, to hold the darkness, especially as things in the world get, who knows, like more and more crazy. I do believe this is the work. And I believe that there's a lot of people on this planet and probably you listening to this that are being called to step up and be able to hold this for others that are really going through the ringer that haven't learned yet how to hold their challenges in their life. You know, that to me is why more and more people are being called towards 
coaching or healing or a version of both to help people get through these challenging times, you know, with joy, with ecstatic joy, with pleasure, with fun, because that is what we're here for. You know, yes, I am not bypassing that there are problems in the world and problems in the psychedelic industry and things are not perfect. But you know what? We have to have that love and compassion for ourselves, for one another, for the birthing of a new world, for the birthing of a new psychedelic industry that's never existed before. And to know that, hey, we are all really like if we all just focus on ourselves doing our best work to be fully living from our heart and shining our light in the world and sharing a positive voice of change and transformation, then maybe we can come together and get it all right. I don't know. But that's what I'm committed to is just being this this voice of what I want to see on planet Earth during my lifetime and well beyond into the seven generations and beyond that. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Lots of love and... Be sure to, if you haven't already, you can download one of my free gifts on my website to subscribe to my newsletter, get updates from me here and there, and find out about upcoming launches, my program's opening. Right now, I have a few private offerings open and a VIP day, and then we are starting enrollment for the True Path Entrepreneur Group Mastermind Program. You can get in now for the new cohort that starts in 2024 at the 2023 investment. If you're interested, go to my website, look around, and feel free to book a call. Lots of love. Thanks for being here. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're feeling inspired, I'd appreciate it if you showed your love with a review. And check out my YouTube channel where you can find the video version of this podcast. You can also head to BethAWeinstein.com to learn more about me and grab my free business growth trainings. Remember, you carry your own unique medicine and your medicine is what we need for these times.